I had Logan Paul on my million. podcast. Would Logan do it with me? <laughs> Logan would kick your ass, I think. Mm. You're riding a fantastic wave. How could you not make some mistakes along the way? Think How can you be for small government and then have the government dictate all these things you. in your personal life, exactly. right? You idiots. idiots. You got it completely wrong. Can't you just wake up <laughs> exactly. and stop? Exactly. I was walking down the hallway like a dotted bull with a needle sticking out of my ass. Tell me the five steps to like, to the gates of point where someone like you would say, I want this guy in my life. I want to help this guy. Hey, Jordan Belfort here, the real wolf of Wall Street, and welcome to another awesome episode of the Wolf's Den podcast, which has been breaking records every single week. Thanks to you guys for listening, sharing it with your friends. You're awesome. I have an incredible guest this week, the return guest, someone that was one of the all-time favorites of the show. And as always, I'm going to start off myself speaking for about 15 to 25 minutes. I love to speak. I'm going to frame a certain point that I'll bring my guest on who's going to kind of drive that point home. And we also have an awesome announcement to make as well. You don't want to miss it. All right? So what is the topic of today? Well, it has to do with the achievement of success in the real world. How does it actually happen? In other words, we have all these competing theories out there. Like some people buy into this idea that it's about manifesting success. Like it's all about the secret. And if you think about what you want to get in life and you visualize it and you put it out there into the universe, somehow magically you're going to manifest that success in your life. And to me, that's just a total grim joke. I mean, if you sit in your kitchen or your basement, you know, with your eyes closed, just, you know, wishing that you're going to attract a check for $25,000 into your mailbox. The only thing that will show up in your mailbox is an eviction notice, right? Your wife or husband's banging the next door neighbor. You know, you're, they're towing away your car for lack of payment. And you're like, where's my check? Where's my check? We don't live in a world where you can wish for or just visualize your way into success. We live in a world where you have to take action. You have to move towards the things that you want. Yet, in truth, there actually is a law of attraction, just like the secret says, but unfortunately, the way they explain it is very misleading. Let me give you the perfect metaphor. When you were back in grade school, and you had a science teacher that was probably, you know, one of the more animated types that, you know, did experiments and did demonstrations, you probably remember when they were teaching you about magnetism, they did a demonstration where they took one of those big horseshoe magnets and they put some iron filings out on the table, right? And they show you, watch, here's the iron filings and here's the magnet. They're maybe two feet apart. Nothing happens. The magnet's too far away from the iron, so it doesn't attract. Then they move the magnet a bit closer, but nothing happens still, still too far away. So the teacher moves the magnet closer, still nothing, and then closer still, still nothing. And then finally, when it gets just in the vicinity of the iron filings, guess what? The iron attracts to the magnet. The lesson there, or the message in that, is that we need to move towards the things in life that we want to attract into our life. You can't attract success by visualizing it in your mind's eye, sitting home in a quiet room and then attracting that by some magical ether that just brings it to you. It's nonsense. It's bullshit. It doesn't work. So what actually happens, though, is that by thinking about certain things that matter to us, by visualizing where we want to go in life, a target to aim for, our vision for the future, what that does is it actually highlights in our own mind what things are important to us, what we should be looking out for. And we start seeing opportunities that we can take advantage of that will bring us the success that we want. In other words, when you visualize something, it says, you know what, this, to get this to happen, this is important. Let me kind of keep my eye on the lookout here for what I need in my life to become successful in the way I want. So when you visualize, you create this target to aim for. What it does, it opens up your eyes to all the opportunities that are around you. Essentially, what happens is we move through life, and most people do it, with blinders on. They have what's called tunnel vision. They get caught up in a certain way of thinking. They go about working in a certain way. They believe that they kind of, you know, have a, a certain lot of life. Like, this is my lot in life. This is what I'm doing. I, I'm doing X, Y, Z. They think very linearly. 
and they don't realize that they need to constantly be scanning the horizon for opportunities along the way. You can't just say, you know, I want to be X, I want to be, um, you know, XYZ businessman, and then just say, that's what I do. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a plumber, or I'm an air conditioner, I'm a salesperson, and all I do is focus on that. As you're moving towards that, you also need to be scanning the horizon for opportunities along the way. Essentially, what happens is this. When it comes to achieving success, there are always always these two worlds that we live in. On one side of the equation, you have what's called the inner world of success. And the inner world are the things that happen right up here between your ears before you ever go out into the world and take action. In other words, it's your success mindset. Things like being able to manage your emotional state, how you feel in the moment. There are certain states that we have, states of certainty, clarity, confidence, courage. When you're in those empowered states, as we call them, they lead you to massive wealth and success. They open up the possibility of wealth and success. And if you're in disempowered states like uncertainty, fear, overwhelm, well, I don't care how great you could be at something, how, how well you could do a certain job or task, in that moment, you can't access those skills. So that's the first element, the state management, to manage our emotional state. The second part of the inner game of success are our belief systems. What beliefs do you have about yourself in terms of what you're capable of? We don't try things that we don't think we'll succeed at. We don't put much effort into them. So what are your capability beliefs and what are your beliefs about yourself? Who are you? Are you destined for greatness or are you just an average person? If you believe you're average, you'll always be average. The beliefs that we have, they act like almost governors of success. They stop us from charging forward when we should, cause us to pull back when we shouldn't. There's a limiting beliefs, right? It's like a Ferrari. Imagine a beautiful cherry red Ferrari you know, painted beautiful, you know, cherry red chassis. It has a, a huge engine, 800 horsepower, 12 cylinders, four valves per, capable of going 220 miles an hour, right? But while it might be capable of going that fast, if you have a governor on the engine stopping the flow of gas, I don't care how fast it could go, you're not going over 55. And that's what the limiting beliefs do. They, they actually sit on top of your life. They actually stop you from achieving success no matter how many great skills you possess. So you have to root those out and replace those with empowering beliefs. Third thing, I spoke about it already, your vision. Do you have a vision for your future? Where are you going to be in five years from now? And why does it matter to you? To have a vision, a target to aim for. And the purpose of that vision is that vision essentially tells you what's important to look out for. It essentially raises your awareness at what things are coming my way, what opportunities I should take advantage of in order to achieve my vision. And then as part of that, we have goals that are short-term, intermediate, long-term goals that, that connect us from where we are right now to our vision. So that's the third thing. And then the fourth element are what I call your personal standards, your standard for success, what you will not set up for less than. Now, I, I don't want to get all caught up in the weeds here with, you know, what does standards mean? Essentially, it's your thermostat. Your beliefs are what really you, how you see the world, how you process the world around you. Your state management is that short-term, in-the-moment indicator of success, all right? And then you have your vision for the future, which is your target to aim for, Right? Big picture, though, I just want you to think big picture for a second. Those four elements, they collectively make up a success mindset. So imagine, you know, you, you know where you want to go. You have this bold, bright vision for the future. That's your target that you're aiming for. It's clear. It's bright. It turns you on. You know why it matters to you. It makes you jump out of bed in the morning, right? So this is your target. Your state management ensures that you show up to your, 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 your best self every single day to work. That when you are going after to achieve your vision, you're actually bringing your best self to the table in those key moments when it matters most. Your standard is that long-term barometer, that long-term indicator of success. Where are you going to end up? It's your insurance policy over the long term, right? 
And the beliefs are essentially those governors that either propel you to take action or stop you from taking action. So those four things collectively set you up to then go out into the real world and take action using outer world strategies. In other words, what happens up here between your ears with those four elements, it then creates the need, the desire, and the target to aim for. Saying, this is how my life is today. This is how I want it to look. It's going to be better in the future. And then you have these outer world strategies that make it happen. But remember, it all starts up in your mind. But if you just keep it there, if it's just about like the inner game of success, I'm just going to, you know, become a master of my beliefs and, and, you know, become an expert at visualizing, it doesn't work because the other side is the counterpart, which is the outer world of success, which are the strategies and tactics that you're going to use to turn the vision that you have for the future into a reality. Like, how do you start a business? How do you grow a business? How do you test out your ideas and learn how to do what I call fail elegantly? How do you learn to be wrong in business? You must learn how to be wrong in business because you're going to be wrong a lot more than you're right. And the lessons are in the failures. So there's certain strategies that we use for taking action so that if we're wrong, we maximize on the lessons learned, minimize on the time and money lost, and we live to fight another day. We try again. And I don't want to get in the weeds here, but on the other side of that equation is then what do you do to succeed wildly? Let's say you test out an idea and it works. How do you scale that idea? How do you grow that idea? It's about being a business person, right? And there's two other subsets of that for business, which are sales and marketing. How do you sell? How do you close? And marketing is how do you bring people into your sales funnel? So marketing brings people into your sales funnel and sales slams them shut. So, in other words, sales, marketing, these are real-world skills. How do you identify the right buyers? How do you attract them into your sales funnel, whether it's online or offline? And then the sales function is how do I actually monetize the marketing? How do I get them to buy from me? Got to call them on the phone, speak to them in, you know, face-to-face, and you can do some business online, of course, as well, but the bigger money typically happens when you pick up a phone or meet someone face-to-face. What I'm driving at here is that in order to really succeed in life, you need to harness or become congruent with both of these worlds. It's about the integration, the seamless integration of the inner world of success with the outer world, meaning you have your mindset all straightened out. And then you learn the strategy, you possess the strategies to actually take what's in your mind's eye and make it real. One without the other is really difficult for you to go out there and achieve success on any reasonable level. Remember, we live in a world of duality. There's basically two sides to every coin. If you have up, then you're going to have what? Down. If you have start, you have stop. You have above, you have underneath, right? There's two sides to everything. Even the digital world, you have one, you have a zero, Two sides to every coin. So let me ask you this. Why would success be any different? That's why there's going to be an inner world. What happens up here? How do you visualize success? How do you set yourself up with the right mindset for success? But just as important, you're going to have to also possess the real world strategies to take what's in your mind and make it real. One without the other, and good luck trying to achieve success. That brings me to my guest for today. Now, two things. Number one, the person's name, Marshall Silver. He's been on my podcast before, and some really interesting things happen is that we realize that we actually teach two sides of the same coin. We're both involved in sales, persuasion, and marketing. I focus on the strategic side, strategy. What do you do first? What do you do second, third, fourth? Marshall focuses on how do you take that strategy and make it automatic in your brain? How do you essentially lock it into your subconscious? So I'm going to have Marshall come on now. We're going to actually talk about how you seamlessly integrate 
these two elements of success, the inner and the outer world of success, right, into one cohesive unit and literally saw to success. I tried this with Marshall on my last podcast. I had some people that actually came and went through Marshall's program, and he actually took what I teach to straight line, had them lock it in using his techniques, and the results they have were extraordinary. It's worth discussing, dissecting, and hearing lots about. So with no further ado, it's time now to bring on one of my favorite guests of all time. Get ready for Mr. Marshall Silver. You know, when you grow up in that kind of an environment where you're not told no all the time, my kids, when they want something, I say, what will you give to get what you want? What service, what value will you give to me, to your mom, to somebody else to get what you want? And when somebody comes from that place, that point of view that every game is winnable, I need to change my strategy, and more than that, everything is within my reach, what happens is we don't give up anymore. We just keep going. There's a reason why I brought Marshall back on the podcast. When he was on, I was shocked at how congruent our methodologies for training. I'm in the, obviously, in like the strategy side of selling. How do you close the deal? A, B, C, D, step by step, very regimented and very repeatable, learnable skills that changes people's lives, right? Marshall is also in the field of persuasion, but focuses on the unconscious side of the equation, meaning how do you take a skill set like the straight line, like I teach, right? Mm -hmm. And how do you essentially not just learn it, but become it? Like you become the training and, and you get to that level of unconscious competence, which is where you could do things basically automatically. So when he was on my last podcast, I was so shocked. Actually, I pulled my book out Right in you the middle, did. I said, "What you're saying? All this shit." Said, did you read my book? Said, and you're like, "It was it's too weird, right?" And then, so you know, after we left, I, I said, "You know what? Normally, I don't do this, but I'm gonna allow you. Why don't you invite some of my my people on to your training for free?" And I never allow it to happen. And he did that, and to my surprise, all a ton of people took him up on the offer. They flew. I think it was to Las was it Las Vegas or yep, Las whatever. Vegas. They flew out to his training in Las Vegas. He, for me, he did it for free. It was a great, amazing thing, right? And I started getting calls from these people saying, I can't thank you enough. What I learned there, he literally took the stuff that you've been teaching us, the straight line system, and he literally like implanted it in my brain. And that got both of us thinking here about the opportunities. Because, listen, I think when I tell the story about Stratton, you know, the secret to my success was that every day, twice a day, I'd stand before the room and I'd give these high-powered meetings where I'd not only teach them the straight line, the skill side, but I was cracking their limiting beliefs, raising their standards, essentially implanting this in their subconscious mind. And because I was in front of them every day, I had a 100% success rate. The struggle I have with teaching the straight line now is while I have an amazing success rate, it's not 100% because what happens is, is I can't be with you every single day. And I've tried all different types of things in terms of how do I take someone who has a desire to make a lot more money, to live a more empowered life, to learn how to communicate more effectively, to essentially learn, become a closer, so to speak, right? And monetize that skill. How do I get that person to a level of unconscious competence? Meaning where it's automatic, where it's in their subconscious mind, they just know it and they become it. And then when the people attended your training, and they came back and every last one of them was like, dude, I'm blown away. My close rate is soared. Um, I said, Marshall, we have to do something together. So we're going to make an announcement later on. But I want to make this podcast. Big, big announcement. Big announcement, right? But I want to make the podcast about, about understanding what exactly it is that you do. How, how do you take skills? And it's not just a straight line. You do it. But in this context, it was with sales and, and right. persuasion. What was the process that you put these people through that allowed them to get such amazing results, starting from step number one? Well, it was funny, you know, because you did what you said you did. We, we were chatting at the last podcast, and you said, my God, have you read my book? And I said, I haven't. Well, you gave me a copy of the book. And I went home, and I was reading it, and I said, this is weird. It's, it, it's like me talking here. It's really and, weird. And 
it's just because, you know, when you master something, there's only so many paths to a certain destination. And if that certain destination is influencing people or persuading people, straight line is as strong as it gets. There's zero distinction between what you and I teach right. other than... Some words are different. Semantics, yeah. What, right. what, what word we use. You, you call it the unconscious. I call it the subconscious. Right. You might say one word and I say the other word. Here's the difference, though. Here's the thing, and you hit it on the head. You are unconsciously competent. I mean, your career, everything you've done from your, your meteoric rise and your incredible crash, except even more, your comeback. Right. Who has the ability to do that? A certain guy does. Right. A certain person who knows who they are at their very core. It's how you take people that are massively wealthy, like a Donald Trump right. or a Richard Branson. They lose almost everything and or everything, except and they know who they are. Right. And so they know, even if the money's not in the bank account, that they are billionaires. At lunch today, you said something. Someone asked you a question, because Marshall's also the world's greatest hypnotist. And he does these amazing, uh, I wouldn't call them politics, but they're called cold reading. Where cold you, reading. He has this ability to, he does thing with a die where it's almost uncanny. Like you put, you get, you think of a number and he can guess it every single time. He's never gotten it wrong. It's, just, it's, it's weird, it defies logic, but he can, just trust me, he can do it, right? So I have a lot of wealthy friends and we're all out talking about a big tour we're planning and everyone's getting behind this tour because it's really, it's, it's a really cool Which, thing. by the way, you kind of spilled the beans a little bit. I, I, I know, but I, but I know, but, but <laughs> the subject came up there. Like, what exactly do you do? And, and what you said, how did you explain, it was just about this, about becoming, about being what the, the training is. Explain that process. Yeah, it's not enough to learn something. You've got to become someone new. So if I'm a, a salesperson and I want to be a good salesperson and I'm constantly thinking, gosh, you know, I really want to be a good salesperson. Well, it sounds like the proper order of things and it's counterintuitive to reverse it. It's counterintuitive. It's reversed. In other words, I must be the greatest salesperson alive before I know that I can sit in front of anybody at any time and sell them anything. And I've got to know that on a subconscious level. It's got to be unconsciously competent, just like you were talking about, so that, I, that that's all behind me. And when we believe in what we're selling, we have a moral and ethical obligation to sell it. So couple those two things together. Number one, my knowingness of who I am. Number two, the moral and ethical obligation to sell this thing that I believe in so very much then what happens is, as a salesperson, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you stop taking it personally when people aren't responding to your ads or your presentations or your products. What you do is you say, oh my God, I feel so bad for them. I am hurting these people by not selling them. I am destroying their lives by not letting them give me money for this amazing product, service, concept, or idea that will change their life forever. So, it's so when you it's come just, from that point of view, it's completely it's different. It's total self-belief. It's almost beyond self-belief. It's self certainty. It's a knowing. It's, it's like certainty. It's certainty about who you are, about that what you're doing is right and correct. And essentially, is, is it your belief, because it's, it, I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, that in other words, to really perform at the highest level, you have to... First, believe that you are capable of it. It's got to come first. It's before before you can be it, you have to believe you're it. Yes. Communication equals wealth. We talked about this in the last podcast. And we only communicate in two ways. Internally, the 1,500 words per minute that are going through our brains at any given moment, telling us who we are and who we aren't, what we can be, what we can do, what we can have. That's called programming. The second form of communication is called influence. It's all that outer communication that we give to the outside world. The challenge is if the inner game, if the inner communication is not sound, a person will telegraph those inconsistencies, those insecurities, that uncertainty, that doubt. They'll telegraph that when they communicate with other people. And what happens is the person on the receiving end of the communication, the potential buyer, they don't know why. They're going, man, I kind of liked the car. I kind of wanted to invest in that company, but I don't know why I didn't. It's because the person that's communicating has all this dialogue going on inside of their subconscious mind that's telling them, gosh, I'll be lucky if I make this sale. I've got to make my mortgage, my rent. You know, these bills are piling up. That has to be gone. And what, what Turning Point does, what the live event that your, your friends went to, your, your followers went to, what it does is a number of things. First and foremost, it turns up the wantingness. And I cannot impress this upon you enough. You have to turn on your wantingness. Explain you have to turn what it that up. is. What's wantingness? Define you it. and I have lived big lives. Right. We like living big lives. We like nice cars. We like big houses. We like great trips. We like private jets. Most people get knocked down so many times that what they say is, you know what, I thought I wanted that. I don't really want that. I just want to pay my bills and lead a simple life and just barely get by. The challenge is they'll never do anything excellent. And more so, they keep becoming less, they become more and more risk adversive. 
Right. They become more and more afraid of their own shadow, their own tail. Maybe I'm too old. I missed my shot. Or, you know, I've been married three times. Maybe I'm not marriage material, whatever it is. A certain person knows everything happens for a reason and it serves us. And because we start from that certain place, that place of certainty, we don't get, we don't get tripped up. We realize even when things don't go the way we want them to go, that was a bump in the road. It's kind of like Edison uh, inventing I, the electric light bulb. I found 909 ways not to invent the light bulb, but I'm only one step away, you'll be right once. Well, right? and more than that, every step, every step taught him what wasn't working. Right. And so it was good feedback. And the human condition is such that most people want to be accepted to a, a degree that they're afraid to get negative feedback. They don't realize it's good. So for Edison, it was like, I just found that one more way not to invent the electric light bulb, and I'm one step closer now to inventing the electric. It's always it's how you frame failure and, and a lack of success. Except right? the distinction, he knew he was going to invent the electric light bulb. He knew that somehow the parts are going to come together, they're going to work, and we're going to get this thing to operate over an extended period of time. First, it was 10 seconds. Then it was a minute. Then it was an hour of illumination. Then it was a day of illumination. Then it was a month of illumination. Sure. Now we've got LED lights that last 25 years, or so they say, because they haven't been around for 25 years, so who knows? Let me, let, let's get specific with like a case study that from one of the people who attended the event. Give me an example of like what, what you saw with an individual, what you were able to identify that was holding them back in terms of sales and persuasion, and how you were able to essentially take someone, because I've gotten the results back, they were amazing. You just pick one, if you can, that kind of represents the whole process. You talk about it in your book, and you obviously talk about it in the movie, that, that you and your first employee, the first guy that was selling with you, you would sell circles around everybody else. And then you'd come back and, and, and listen to your sales force, and they'd go, oh, no, it doesn't work. And we'd go back to selling the penny stock, whatever. And you're going, I don't get it. And you couldn't get it. You would never get it. You are a natural at what you do. Right. Your brain is wired in such a way that you know whatever it is that you want, you're going to make it happen. Right. I'm wired the same way. No matter how many times I've gotten knocked down, it's like, okay, fall down nine, stand up ten. Here we go. I'm not done. Right. And the challenge for 99.9% for of the population is they're not wired that way. They think that that feedback is trying to redirect them some other way, and so they just let go of wantingness. And so they get a car that, that gets them from point A to point B. They don't need the Rolls Royce or the Lamborghini or whatever it is they really wanted. They get a house that they can afford the mortgage, not the house they really want. You see, people that are successful, highly successful business people, salespeople, entrepreneurs, we don't ask, can I afford that thing? We determine what we want based on what we want, not on what we think we can afford. Right. We figure out how to afford the thing that we want. Right. And, and again, it's just so many people are not wired that way. Because I believe in what I'm selling and because you believe in what you're selling, again, you have that, that thought that you want to turn up their wantingness. You want to show them how to live that life. Your entire company was built on everybody living a life they never even dreamed they could live. Right. Except you line up enough of those people in a row. You show enough of those people that you helped, that you trained. And what happens is they, there's too much proof. Reality is created by validation, and when you have that much validation, right. when you've got hundreds of people making 10 times, 100 times the money they ever thought they could make in one room at the same time, it's contagious. Everybody right. accepts the reality and says, okay, it's not, there's nothing wrong with me. I just need to do something differently. So the first thing Turning Point does is it turns up the wantingness, and I want to give you permission to want what you want, whatever that is, except I also say the caveat is to savor the wanting as much as the having. Because the challenge with turning up your wantingness when you don't yet have it is you don't yet have it. So you've got to enjoy those times of lean times. Right, right. You know, when I was dead broke, when I was in my early 20s, before I figured some things out, I ate a lot of ramen. And ramen, you could buy, you know, five bags of ramen for a dollar. Right. And so I ate a lot of ramen. I like ramen still. I like ramen <laughs> yeah. from a nice restaurant now, except I like ramen still. The key to savoring the wanting is to realize it's a joyful thing to go test drive a car that's way beyond your means right now. It's a joyful thing to go tour a house that you could never afford today. Because what happens is your brain starts to say, okay, I want this. I'm giving myself permission to want this. So once we've turned up the wanting, the second step that has to happen for an individual is we need to acknowledge to ourselves, what programs do I hold that are false? What programs are running around in my brain that I think are real, that I think are true, that just are flat out lies? They don't work. They're not true. I'll give you an example. My father was a mean old man. He, uh, he had something against me my entire life, and so he said a lot of very mean things, programmed my brain at an early age to think I was a piece of crap, that I'd never amount to anything, that I was a mistake. He wished he'd never had me. 
My mother, on the other hand, was the most amazing, loving, remarkable human being I've ever known. There's only one person on the planet that I've ever met that comes close to her, and that's my wife. Very similar people, filled with love. Nurturing, supportive, yeah. Everything. My mother, though, I watched work three jobs to provide for her 10 children. And when my mother worked that hard, um, I thought that that was what we had to do. I thought that was normal. So she'd work three jobs. She'd get up in the morning before we woke up for school. She'd come back after we were already in bed at night sleeping to get ready for school the next day. And my mother gave me a program. She said, Marshall, work hard, get ahead. Seems like it would make sense, except we all know that if you work hard, what you'll get is more hard work. Right. And so what I've got to do is get in there and identify what hardware is that person running? Not just the software. Mm-hmm. What hardware are they running? What, what things do they hold to be true? You and I believe money comes easily and readily to us. Right. We are people and money magnets. Right. We know that we have a natural charisma about ourselves. We know that when we walk into a room, and this, is, this isn't vanity speaking, it's a fact. It's, right. it's my truth. It's your truth. Right. That when we walk into the room, we walk in as if we already own that room. Right. It's not arrogance. The distinction between cockiness and confidence is confidence allows for greatness in other people. We also don't have to pretend we are less than we are to make other people feel better. We say, no, I'd rather help you feel better. But I think when my people came to your event, I think what happened was somehow you were able to instill in them a self-confidence and a belief that A, they were actually capable of achieving greatness, B, that they were deserving Mm -hmm. of greatness, and Three, and probably most important of all, that they actually were great. Yes. Uh, they were, like, in other words, that you actually are great. Yep. Now, maybe there's skills you have to become even better at, and that's why there's always strategy involved, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of these people had learned a straight line system. They'd studied, they'd, and they were already succeeding and doing well, right? Because normally, you know, you charge a lot of money for your stuff. This is free, but yet, but there's very successful people come there, and yet there's... This next level up that ha- it's like a weird shift that I see that someone that's doing well and you know, like that achievers mentality they make money they work really hard but it's not elegant it's not fluid they struggle to make money and yet when they cross over to that next level up from there which is like this tacit belief that I'm a money magnet yep. that I'm capable deserving of greatness that I possess the skills necessary to achieve it and what I don't possess I'll simply learn right. And I'll surround myself people who who la- have what I lack, right? They left your training, like parroting those. Like I don't mean parroting. I mean just like really just owning those Being thoughts, certain. right? Because what I do that nobody else that I know of does is that I'm able to get right into side inside somebody's subconscious mind, understand is this a PC or is this a Mac, and then beyond that, okay, what software is going through this process? I myself know that I'm a people in a money magnet, and I uh, fly privately, and I I charter planes. I don't own a plane because right now I don't fly enough to need to own a plane. I charter planes. One of the charter companies I work with down in San Diego, I often go between San Diego and uh, Vegas, my my main residence and my beach house. And one time I was flying with him, and there was nobody else on the jet, so I like to go up to the cockpit and sit with him and just chat with him while we're flying along past the time. And he says, Marshall, I've known you for many years, and I've watched you rolling in the dough, and I've seen you have setbacks. And then I've watched you roll in the dough again and have setbacks. What does it feel like when you're broke? I said, I've never been broke. I've been between fortunes. You know, I can't believe when you say that. And you, know, you said something else that I was going to comment on, that you have to embrace the wanting this, the feeling. I remember that when I was on Wall Street and I was a trainee, I had no money. I'd just gone bankrupt. Yet this is this time. Uh, before, right, right, right. Before that, before yep. that, I was actually happy. I was happy because I knew I possessed the skills that were required to be successful, massively successful. I was in the right place. I was on path. The, the fact that I hadn't gotten there yet didn't really matter. I was able to have happiness today because I knew I was heading in the right direction and possessed the skills. Yep. So it's always really in my mind. It's like always about a. You have to possess the skills, right? There are real-world skills you got to know, right? Yep. And then the other side is the And other- the good news is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right. The, those those skills in straight-line selling, you know, in your in your system, right. they're there. They work. It's science. Right. It's a little bit of art, yet it's science. Mostly science, yeah. right. There's, so, there's particular steps that the human mind goes through to allow itself to reach more certainty, to make that buying decision. Right. And again, I know uh, this is what's funny is uh, early on in the, your book that I was reading, you started talking about certainty. 
my company is called Certainty. Right. And I'm going, holy cow, well, we're two, two of the same mind. The whole straight line is based on the idea that sales is the transference of emotion, which is yep. certainty. Yes. Do you have your die on you, by the way? Do you have your die in your pocket? Your magical die? I, I don't have a magical die. I have a die. You have a die? I, I want to, it's not a magic die, but I want, I want to just give you an example here. Can you do this on camera? Yeah, sure. So I want, Marshall, I just want to give you, because to me, there are certain people that just have extraordinary talents in this world. I'm one of them. I do. I have an Absolutely. extraordinary talent, and I have dedicated my life to sharing my ability to train salespeople, to empower, to motivate, and I love doing what I do. That's why I love this podcast. In fact, that's why, with the exception of this particular podcast and a few others this year, I'm going to be mostly talking myself. I love to fucking talk, all right? But that's besides the point, right? Anyway, but the point is, is Marshall's one of these people who has these bizarre skills that allow him to look inside your mind and help you make positive changes. Now, this has nothing to do with that, but it just I think it's a really a strong belief builder about who you are because it's so I've seen you do this no less than 20 times and you've never gotten it wrong. So what we're gonna do now is Marshall and guys, this is live. We're not gonna tape it or cut it. I promise you this is real. Okay. We just did this over lunch. Marshall's gonna have me think of a number. We have not set this up. In fact, why don't we come here? Travis, come on. I'm going to have call Travis over. Forget me. because Travis is going to come over. All right. Travis is going to be the standing here. So uh, come here. Right over here. Come in line. Look at the camera. Say, over the camera. This is Travis, our camera guy. All right. Let's go. Hey, Travis. What's going on? Do me a favor. Um, every single thought we think has a physical response in the body. It is impossible for people to hold. This is why the inner game is so important. It is impossible for people to hold a thought and not telegraph that thought to the outside world. That telegraph then becomes a butterfly effect and changes everything. You know, if a guy is single and he wants to meet a girl and he approaches a woman with the idea, gosh, I'd be lucky if she'd go out with me, he's going to telegraph that insecurity. And the woman's not going to I don't want to hang out with you. But if the guy approaches that woman with a sense that he is God's gift to women, that he's doing her a favor by being there, and again, not in a cocky way, in a way that says, hey, we both are going to win by me approaching you, then what happens is everything changes. So what I want you to do is I've got a die in my hand. All right. uh, it's a bit of a trademark. I want you to clear your mind. Okay. Look at me now. I want you to think of any number one through six. And you didn't know this was going to happen. No, no, no. Any number one through six. When you have that number, say yes. Yes. I want you to take this die. I'm going to turn my back and close my eyes. I want you to put it into the middle of the table with the number up that you're thinking of. Okay. And then cover it with your hand so that I can't see it, yet you can't change it. Okay. All right. When you're done, say yes. Yes. With God as my witness and that camera sitting right there, every single thing we do matters. I told you, think of any number. Clear your mind and think of a number. When you have that number, say yes. Except I wasn't telling you to think of any number. I was holding up five fingers. And when you go back and review this podcast, as I know you're going to, you're going to see, and if you could see his face on this camera, you're going to see that this is authentic. And so imagine I'm a salesperson, and I, you ask me, can you get this thing for me? And I go, sure, except I shake my head, no. That doubt comes in, and your brain says, I don't know what, what, what it was. There's something about it. I don't trust that guy. It's not going to happen. Everything matters. That's what we teach, and that's what I program into somebody's subconscious mind. If that is indeed the number five, uncover it, let the camera see, and say, you're awesome, Marshall Silver. <laughs> into the mic, please. <laughs> yes, this is a five, indeed a five. <laughs> Time. Unbelievable. But, but again, when you watch, you didn't notice that I was doing this when I was talking. You didn't. You didn't think about it consciously. Subconsciously, you saw it. I to put it on my Instagram. I want that to go on my live feed now. My story. That was yeah, unbelievable. Was so <laughs> Subconsciously, you saw it, and even though you didn't realize you were seeing it, it was there. So imagine. Yeah. Don't call me God. Call, call me JC. We're friends. I'm just joking, God. I'm just joking. Because subconsciously, that was the signal. So imagine a thousand, <laughs> ten thousand, a million things a day, Jordan, That's coming at people, telling them who they are and who they aren't. And they have no filter. They have no way to run their brain. They have no <laughs> it's way. Listen, the reason I had Marshall do that is because it's cool. But also because every once in a while, you just run across people that have these crazy, specialized talents, skills, 
or just into it's almost a combination of a knowing. It's almost that certainty, and you know you to get it right. Uh, he never says no, no, now's not the right time. He'll do it in a freaking snowstorm or a hurricane. He'll catch the right number, and I and I think that this has to do with what announcement we're making is that Marshall and I have decided that we're actually going to team up together this year, and we're going to actually do a live tour where we're going to be able to actually teach the straight line system and have Marshall lock it in on an unconscious, subconscious level right there so people can now get those same incredible results that I have been able to achieve with the straight line over time, but in now a, 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 almost an accelerated learning. Yeah, way fast. And, and way faster, and also at a much higher level. So just tell me, in, in terms of, let's get away from the dive for a second here, in terms of this accelerated learning, right, does it apply to, just let's say you're an entrepreneur. Everything. So, so give me an example like of an entrepreneur that, like, what are some of the things that, that he would run into day to day where having the sort of ability that we can help? How would it impact an entrepreneur in general, not just a salesman, an entrepreneur? You take a guy like Jeff Bezos, Amazon, and you take a company that lost billions with a B, billions of dollars. And the amount of fortitude it takes One to. Billions yes, of dollars. <laughs> the amount of fortitude that it yeah. takes to keep going, to not give up and say, you know what, maybe I was wrong, maybe I'm an idiot. And just say, no, I've just got to approach this from a different point of view. Uh, clearly, there's something not working in this equation that could work. And most people are not wired. And I use that word uh, specifically. They're not wired to know that every game is winnable. You just need to find people who are already winning the game. Think what they think. Do what they do. You'll produce similar results. Again, whenever I'm presenting, you've heard me say this again and again, I am the number one platform closer in the world. Right. If I find somebody that's better than me, I will be their best student. Right now, I haven't found them. Right. And we were talking about persuasion and influence and such. And what most people don't realize is that every presentation I do, including the one I just did, that, that example I just did of, of programming your guy's mind with the number five, is specific. I rehearse, I review, I revise. I don't shoot from the hip. I don't, I don't ad-lib something through. I know the exact words. I know the gesture. I know what color my suit is supposed to be for the highest possible results every single time. Interesting. So for someone that's just, you know, just an average entrepreneur, even just a, someone that's, an, anyone that wants to live an empowered life, right? Success-oriented people. How easy are these things to to sort of you know sort of to take away from your learnings? Is it like a is it like something that happens in a minute, in a couple of days? Is it a lifelong journey? What do you, how do you, how would you best describe it? You have a plaque behind you that was clearly given to you by one of your kids. That that gift, the the, the definition daughter. of Jordan. Yeah, it's it's awesome, and I love it. Isn't it great? It's awesome. And here's what I love about this, Jordan, is that we as parents, and anybody that's watching this or listening to this that's a parent, you get it. We know kids don't come with a manual. Healthy, good parents, what we do is we, we keep testing things. We test this and we adjust that and we change that. And we and sooner or later, we know the kid is going to achieve success. You know, if a kid is born, and uh, I have three children, I have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a four-year-old. Uh, when a kid is born, we know, as long as they're healthy, that eventually they'll walk. Some kids start walking. I have a friend of mine. His kids started walking at six months old. All three of my kids started walking around 13 months you don't take a kid that doesn't walk by the time they're 18 months. They're still not walking. They're still crawling around and go, oh, Damn, he's not, not going to be a walker. Right, he's yeah. a crawler. Yeah. You don't do that because you know what the certain thing is. Mm -hmm. So think about this. And I was talking about this, and I realized you were kind of blown away. You're blown away every time I do a cold read or do some kind of subconscious reprogramming. Imagine, again, 1,000, 10,000, a million points of information entering a person's brain every single day. Most of it, the media especially, is filled with doubt. That's how people are controlled. You you fill a person with enough doubt, you totally control them. Like you cannot control paralyze them with fear. You and cannot control a certain person. A certain person says, you know what, I don't care how many of you I don't care that all of you say the emperor has really good clothes on. He's flat out naked. I can see his wee wee. He's naked. You know what's funny? I, I said you paralyze with, with fear and uncertainty. And as I was saying uncertainty, you were already saying certainty. Mm -hmm. It's so the you know, our lines of thought or of really of, of how things actually operate. It's really so much of life is based on certainty. It really everything. is. It's just like, it's, it's just this overriding factor. And I think, you know, when I look back, when I invented the straight line, what I realized is that most salespeople, and when I say salespeople, it's, we're all salespeople. You have to, it's not just like traditional salespeople. They, 
I think problem they have is that when they're trying to influence and persuade, they don't even know what they're trying to accomplish. Like, what are you actually doing when you influence and persuade, right? So where the straight line comes in, it's actually giving you a t- context. Okay, here's what you're actually doing. You're actually taking someone from a lower level of certainty about something into a very high level of certainty. You're removing doubt. Right, you're, and you know, removing doubt, adding on positives, removing doubt, adding on more certainty, right? And then at the same time, it's not just for the actual product, but it's certainty for the person that's even delivering the message, the company that stands behind the product. And also, let's talk about another aspect of persuasion. I want to know your opinion on this, is that what we run into throughout lives are different types of people that we need to influence and persuade. Some of us, like me, I am like a sucker. I am a very easy person to sell to. Yeah, me too. Right? And a lot of us great salesmen are. It's like well, and, you, and there's a reason for that. Uh, those that like to sell mm-hmm. like to buy. Those right. that are afraid to buy will telegraph that fear when selling. Right. So, you know, we buy stuff. Why do we buy stuff? Because we know there's an infinite amount of money for us. Right. We, we, can, we have more than enough. We can afford whatever it is that we want. And so we don't hold that fear. So you have tons of stuff. I guarantee you. Oh, that's a cool thing. You bought it. You fiddled with it for a couple of minutes. <laughs> oh, okay. Next. Right. And so the biggest thing that I want to get salespeople to understand is that when you fall in love with buying things, you will fall in love with selling things, except that's a subconscious program. People that are afraid to buy things think that it's a lack world and right. that there isn't enough prosperity for everybody and that I might not have enough money. And so they, they hold on tightly to everything they've got. One more little piece, and you meant you were talking about this a second ago. The, uh, the sign of a good relationship is we like ourselves when we're in somebody else's presence. Mm-hmm. So you and I have a good friendship. You, you, you said it, and we haven't even known each other for that long, right. that, that both of us lift each other up. Right. Both um, of, we have no reason to <laughs> say, I'm better than you I'm are. I'm the first person to say this guy's the coolest guy because like, it doesn't detract from me. I'm confident who I am. Absolutely. You're confident who you are. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So in that straight line process, in that persuasion equation, what happens is, is you've got to make that other person like themselves more. For them to make that decision. Mm. You've got to get them to the point where they believe they're intelligent and that they can make really good choices and decisions. And that decision is to buy from you. What do you think about something that you say was that in, in, in one of the trainings that I, I watched all your trainings at this point now. One of the things that you said that struck me as being really relevant is you give this example. and You said, just imagine if every day of your life, your mother or your father just said you're worthless, you'll never amount to anything, you're not capable of greatness, you don't deserve it. You know, if that was that message being implanted in your brain every day for 10 or 15 many years, right? Versus the opposite message, right? right. Of someone saying you're capable of you're being a genius, right? Right? you're a genius, you're brilliant, you're, wonderful. you're kind, you're, you're prosperous, you're right? a money and people magnet. As you've, how long have you been in the game of mentoring for now? I've been on stage for 50 years. This is my 50th year Fine. this year. I have been mentoring for the last 34 years. In terms of that, that, that variation of like from from like you know where the really empowered person that had this great upbringing versus those that are disempowered where would you say most people are oh gosh in that 90 plus percent of the population is damaged i'll just say it outright they're damaged they have broken programs inside of their brain even the well-meaning parents don't realize like my mom work hard get ahead Well, my parents just like well-meaning to the end, but said things to me that they were just, just completely didn't, not true. And they, didn't work. And didn't work, right. So so getting back to that thing, what you did, and this this was the, when you told me about that, I thought, my gosh, that's why you had such amazing success. You could have been in any profession. You could right. have been selling anything. Right. It's that constant reinforcement twice a day with your team. Right. There's no way you couldn't become that person. So, so, so like with my kids, yeah. every day, we, even when we have to reprimand them or discipline them, we always come back to there's nothing about you that's broken. Uh-huh. There's nothing about you that can nor needs to be fixed. Right. The only thing that has to change is your choice. And you get to choose who you'll be right now. Of all the things that parents say to kids that then end up corrupting them by inserting these self-defeating programs that, that come back to what you as adult, what do you think is the most destructive thing of all? Poverty consciousness. Explain that. Believing there's not enough for everybody. Money doesn't grow on trees. What do you think I am? A bank? Whoa. Okay, why aren't you? Frankly, you're you're a grown adult. You should have figured this out by now. You know, my wife, uh, my wife and I, my wife and I, we don't trade Christmas presents because the moment she wants something, she has it. She doesn't have to wait for Christmas or some made-up day that somebody decided. Oh, it's this day of this month that 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 we're gonna celebrate this holiday. Who knows? Even the reason for the season. Who knows what day he was born on? For sure. Here's the thing I know. Um, 
my kids get 10 gifts. And this last year, uh, in August, I asked them, I said, you guys know that between Santa Claus and mom and dad, you get exactly 10 gifts. They said, we know. Because we want them to, to not have an expectation. This is a, a season to get everything we want. We just want them to know, pick the 10, you know, what, what do you want? This last August, though, I wanted to instill in my kids a spirit of giving. I wanted them to understand what this was all about. And, you know, we live uh, in Vegas in a 17,000-square-foot home. We fly back and forth on a private jet. We have a house right on the beach in San Diego. And I wanted them to understand that not everybody lives like that. I want them to understand everybody could live like that. There's more than enough for everybody to live like that. And so I asked them, I said, would you be willing to? There are kids that don't celebrate Christmas. They don't even know what the day is. They don't get any gifts. There are kids that don't even have a house to live in. They sleep on the street under the stars every night, not because they want to, because they have to. Would you guys, would the three of you be willing to give up five of your gifts so that kids that don't celebrate Christmas can have some kind of joy this Christmas? I'm so proud of my kids. All three kids instantly put their hand up and said, yep. My, my mid-kid, Max, he's always negotiating, goes, could, could we maybe trade something for it? <laughs> Except, again, what we believe to be true is true for us. Nothing else. People that succeed at the highest levels, the Kanye Wests, the you, me, the Richard Bransons, the Donald Trumps of the world, we have a different sense of the world. We don't view the world working the way like that. Trump's dad, obviously, was a highly successful real estate developer before uh, Trump started doing what he's doing. Right. And, and so... You know, when you grow up in that kind of an environment where you're not told no all the time, my kids, when they want something, I say, what will you give to get what you want? What service, what value will you give to me, to your mom, to somebody else to get what you want? And when somebody comes from that place, that point of view that every game is winnable, I need to change my strategy. And more than that, everything is within my reach. What happens is we don't give up anymore. We just keep going. And, and you know this, I know this. You throw, you throw 100 noodles against the wall, one might stick. That's the one you needed, though, and that one noodle will create a million noodles for you. And what most people don't do is they, they just start thinking, you know, they have one business failure, then another business failure, or something doesn't move along very quickly, and they start thinking, this is how it is. No, this is how it is. You, mm -hmm. Anything anyone else can do, you can do as well. Your age, your race, your, your gender, nothing measures into the equation. Nothing except what's going on right here in your head. Exactly, and this is why before you actually came on, I started this podcast by framing the whole concept of that success happens on two levels. So there's basically two worlds of success. There's the outer world of success, which is the skills, the strategies that I teach, and then there's this inner world. What happens up here between your ears that sets you up to succeed massively in the outer world. If you have one of those things lined up, but not the other, very difficult to achieve success at a really high level. And you can have some, just not going to really hit it out of the park. And I believe every person listening, everyone here, you deserve to hit out of the park and making money is easy. And with that, that takes me now to the announcement and the real secondary reason why I have Marshall here. And that is because of everything we've just spoken about, it's obvious that to have a one-two punch of Marshall and myself, where basically I am teaching you the skills and strategies of sales, persuasion, business, entrepreneurship, and then having Marshall work on the inner game for you, locking the things I teach you, locking those things in the way he did for my last group of students. That's an incredibly valuable thing to bring to people. So Marshall and I have decided to actually start going out on tour together. I never do this with anybody, but Marshall, special occasion here. And here's the deal. I want to give you the date. Starting off in Los Angeles, my hometown, okay? The date is April 8th. So the event is going to be a very small one, by the way. I'm going to keep it under 1,000 people, which is about one-third to one-fifth the size of my usual event. We want this to be an intimate event. So it's going to sell very quickly. The link to purchase tickets here, it's about a half a day event, a four, four and a half hours long, right? So it's not a full day, half a day. So you don't have to, you know, lose a whole day here. But trust me, every minute is going to be worth times a million. All right. April 8th, it's at jordanbelfort.com slash, that's a forward slash, live, L-I-V-E. So jordanbelfort.com slash live. And at that event, I am going to be literally teaching you at the highest possible level 
every aspect of the straight line. How do you influence, persuade? How do you negotiate effectively? How do you capture people's attention in an ADD world where literally people are just like giving you like three or four seconds? How do you capture people's attention, position yourself as an expert, and then use that positioning to gather intelligence, ask the right questions, present what you have to offer to sell, and then ultimately close the deal. Create massive certainty, as Marshall and I both speak about, massive certainty and close the deal. In addition, I'll be talking about entrepreneurship skills, how you take your business to the next level, how you add a zero on to your income. This is perfect for any business owner, entrepreneur, sales producer. Don't kid yourself. If you're in sales, you cannot miss this. If you're a business owner, entrepreneur, either just a budding entrepreneur, you cannot miss this event. And also, Marshall, speak for a second. Marshall, what are they going to learn from you? At that same event, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get right in your head with your permission. I'm going to get right in your head, just like I did for your, your past students. I'm going to rewire your brain. I'm going to show you what things you think are true that just aren't true. I'm also going to show you how to program your brain in any area. What would a millionaire do? What would an awesome husband do? What would an awesome father do? What would a person that's healthy do? What would a person of high energy do? What would a person who knew was certain their body was doing its perfect work do in that moment? What beliefs would they hold? What certainties would they know? What actions would they take? Because what happens is when you program your brain for certainty, the path, the things you need to do become obvious. Right. You know, when I started my career at 23 years old, I, I rented a little executive office space, 10 by 10, and, you know, had the common uh, secretary and had the, the conference room that everybody used. And mine came with a phone book. And I remember sitting there in that office, very little money to my name. I just used all the money to rent the office. And all I could do was pick up that phone book, start on in the yellow pages, start with A, okay, how do I do business with this type of a business? How do I do business with this kind of a company? How do I do business? And one by one by one, I, I went through them until I hit a jackpot and didn't need to go any further. Except what I knew was that book held the opportunity for me. It held the leads for me. Where other people, they saw the yellow pages. I saw a cash cow. Perfect, and there you go. So again, date is going to be April 8th. It's in Los Angeles. There are other events we're planning too. So if it's Los Angeles is not near your location, go to the site anyway, enter in your email address, and you will be emailed as soon as we have an event that's within your vicinity. So don't worry if you're out of the country. We'll be touring all over the United States and around the world eventually. Okay, but again, jordanbelfort.com slash live. You do not want to miss this event. It's going to be life-changing. I promise you, nothing short of that. It's going to be totally, totally awesome. Let me ask you a question here. When my students came to you and they had, they were all pretty proficient to straight line, what, did you, what would you say was, the, was there one particular aspect of the closing process that you think you were able to help them with most? It's the realization that, once again, this isn't Jordan's system. This is the system. This is how the subconscious mind makes the decision to buy, and then the conscious mind backs it up with logic. And so what happens is, is I change who they are, not what they're doing. Again, you could put the straight line system into a million people's hands, and maybe 10,000 of them would actually run with it initially. And the only reason the rest of those people didn't run with it had nothing to do with the system. It had everything to do with what was in their head. Their belief about Their beliefs. I'll give you an example. A different industry would be when I was in different different situation. I was in jail. And I, you know, I tell the story, Tommy. You mean you went to Yale? Yale, right. Yes. And Tommy Jong, Chong was my bunkmate. That's fascinating. And he told me to write this book. And I wrote the book, right? And that's great. But I would say, but Tommy told 100 people to write a book. Yep. I did it. Why? Well, number one, I spent 50... And then about 5,000 hours teaching myself to write. I was did the work, but also I had a belief that I could actually, most people, they'll have that opportunity and because they lack belief. So when, I, when people came to you, what I saw them come away with was two things. Number one was an absolute tacit belief that they could achieve massive greatness. They were like, they were on path and they were just, it was, it was like a it, done deal. It is their destiny. Right. Second thing was a complete lack of any um, bit of like saying, oh, I shouldn't be selling, like like the un an unabashed confidence that they were doing the right thing 
with the process of influence. It's good for me. It's good for you. It's good for the entire economy when I buy something or I sell something. And that's what I'm so excited about. I'm coming out of retirement. I, I went into retirement because my wife started having babies and I just wanted to spend time with my family. Right. I realized that I wasn't done. Right. And during the time that I was retired, though, that was when I was doing a massive amount of research on the idea that goes beyond changing a belief and actually making someone certain. If we're born... And uh, when we're born, when we can understand the concept, we're told on your 18th birthday, you've got to pay back a million dollars to whomever, to your parents, to the government, whomever, or because you're not useful, we've got to put you to death. <laughs> Every single person on the planet is going to figure out how to make a million dollars by the time they're 18. Anybody with any, any amount of desire to live, here's the thing. You know this. Your first million is the most difficult one. That once you know you can make a million dollars, your brain just it immediately says, I can do this again and again and again and again. So my recommendation to you is skip the first one altogether. Move on to the second one. And here's, yeah. here's how you do it. You simply say the words, I am a millionaire. And if you need to hold the thought, even if the money has not yet been deposited in my bank account, you need to know you were born a millionaire. You were born a millionaire. I was born a millionaire. There have been times when there wasn't a million dollars in my bank account. That doesn't change who I am, though. I think it's almost like there's that, that spark that so many people lose that as they start to go through life, you know, it's like I always say there's ducks and there's eagles. I didn't make that up. That's been a, a long-running example of empowered thinking versus disempowered. Eagles are empowered people. Ducks are disempowered. They always say the hardest thing to do is to turn a duck into an eagle. But what I see... In a and lot here, of these, that's true. Until the duck sees the eagle's point right. of view. But here's what I see a lot of, and especially in rooms that I'm speaking in, I see a lot of people who are indeed eagles, but they've had their wings clipped. Mm -hmm. So they they actually are born eagles. They have that empowered thinking in there. It's gotten submerged. It's gotten dulled. Their wings, so to speak, have gotten clipped through failures. Mm -hmm. Bad results. Sometimes those bad results and failures were their own fault by bad decisions, bad programs making them make bad decisions. Other times it was no fault of their own. They're just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and the shit hits the fan, and next thing you know, bam, you're behind the eight ball. And even though you were born to be great and deserve to be great, you start thinking with that duck-like mentality of an impossibility notion. So essentially what you do, your side of it, is you wake those people, you essentially give them their wings back. Yes. And I do it by giving them skills and you do it by rewriting and essentially deleting out those disempowered Taking out the programs. Bad programs yeah. And putting all the ones in that work. There you go. You and I hold a slightly different point of view. And one of the things I appreciate about our friendship <laughs> is that even when we think differently, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Uh, we can have a civil conversation totally. without throttling each other. I believe ducks can be eagles. I just believe they've settled into being ducks. Mm -hmm. That ducks can soar like eagles. So, uh, Richard Bach wrote Jonathan Livingston Seagull. And one of my favorite books because of its simplicity. It's a great book. And it's all about, if you haven't read it, uh, you should, number one. Number two, it's all about uh, uh, one seagull that decides he's going to fly better than any of the other seagulls. And the other seagulls all think he's crazy. Why in the world would you bother doing that? I mean, wh why, why go to the effort? Because I'm unique. Because I'm a king's kid. Because I'm the one in the room that's going to rise highest because that's how I'm wired. That's how I want to wire you. In closing here, in closing, right? In your own life, um, you've seen a lot of people that have struggled with, you know, struggled with achieving success, struggled with wealth, right? And then they come to an event with you and they make some shift, right? Can you tell me one story? Like of, of that, what you think really is representative that most people would connect with of someone that that really sought the success. It be the most money they've ever made, but give me a story. Just tell me one, a story of one of your people, what you've done. Countless. Um, I have had a guy uh, recently actually come to one of our events, and he was doing fairly well. He owned a mortgage company, making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, which mm -hmm. is decent money by anybody's standards. Uh, I couldn't stand it, yet um, he's making $250,000, living a good life, got a beautiful wife, got a baby on the way. And he says to me, Marshall, um, why do I need your training? I'm making $250,000 a year. I've got what I want. And I looked at him, striking good-looking guy. Looks like Clark Kent, you know, about six foot four, good-looking guy, muscled. You could tell he takes good care of himself. And uh, I said, because you making $250,000 is a fraction of who you actually are. You're wasting your gifts. 
He said, explain that to me. I said, you don't even know who you are. Yeah, you do, you do okay with mortgages. I said, but you're a speaker. You don't even realize that you are a speaker. You have the pipes, you have the looks, you have the presence. And if you could open your mouth on a given weekend and have six figures, a whole year's worth of income pour into your life and also know you were making the world a better place using the gifts you were actually given, wouldn't that be a better thing to do? And he looked at me with still doubt in his brain. Still doubt. I could see it written all over him just as much as I could see. I, I had programmed that number five into Travis's brain. Mm -hmm. And he came through our event. He let me reprogram his brain. And everything I told him was going to happen has happened times 10. And so once again, sometimes what it takes is somebody from the outside reintroducing yourself to who you were on the day you were born. Nobody's a smoker the day that they're born. They've got to train themselves to become a smoker. Nobody is a millionaire necessarily on the day that they're born. They just need to know who they are. So the question I have for you is, who were you on the day that you were born? Were you a pauper, going to struggle to make money your entire lifetime? Or were you a millionaire, and are you one now, even if the money has not yet been deposited in your bank account? And again, this is another area we are in exact agreement of. I believe, and I'm saying this to everybody who's listening on audio, people who are going to eventually watch this when it comes out on YouTube a couple weeks later here, I believe tacitly that every human being is capable of achieving massive greatness, is deserving of, of achieving greatness, and the problem is that so few people do because greatness almost gets conditioned out of you since the day that you're born. Starts with your parents, then your school teachers, your own friends, the media. And I saw this with Stratton very young when I was in my 20s that by the time the kids had made it into my boardroom, they'd been conditioned to survive, not to thrive. And the straight line changed everything for these kids. And now my friend Marshall here, by, you know, I got to say, by combining you in my training and your ability to lock that in on a subconscious level, it's a one-two punch that literally will be a gift that never stops giving. It is a life-changing situation. So again, for those of you listening and, you know, are in the area here, meaning anywhere in the free world, the date again is April 8th. Marshall and I will be speaking for half a day together. I'll be teaching the straight line, business entrepreneurship skills, Marshall locking it in at an unconscious level. It's going to be totally awesome. Again, that link was jordanbelfort.com forward slash live, L-I-V-E. All right? And there you go. Great podcast. Marshall, thanks for coming. You are absolutely terrific as always. And I am really looking forward to doing this tour with you and having you on my podcast again. Everyone share this with your friends. Get the word out there. Bring your friends to this event. Uh, I, I believe in this so much from the bottom of my heart. I truly do. All right? Take care. God bless. And I'll see you next week for another awesome, awesome podcast in the Wolf's Den.